Uh, before we start, I just want to start with a commercial real quick. Um, um, one of the things that's, that's in my heart that as a, as a leader in dwelling place that operate with integrity and, and character in every facet of existence, and a while back, you know, and also combine that with the problem of being a, a, a husband, being a father, being a granddad, being, a, being a, an elder in a church and sort of flowing this abstract authority, there's a lot of, when you got, when you got this place that you're responsible for lives, uh, you know, just, and you have kids, you know, when they're little or whatever, uh, to take care of them can get kind of intense. And uh, especially when you perceive danger. And I, you know, and probably all of us parents at some point in time when our kids were in some kind of danger looked like a fool out in public somehow, shape or form, you know. And, uh. And sometimes in those places you may say things. And one of the things I, I want to repent for that uh, about, I don't know how many months ago there was, I, there was just there's a perceived danger in the body of Christ in the area of uh, some, some areas of some certain types of theology. And I mentioned a particular name of a ministry, a, a person here from the front. And I just want to repent and ask you to forgive me, any of you that were hurt by that particular the ministry, I know that ministry's blessed a lot of you, and and I just hear my heart. My heart was not to bring harm. My heart was just to protect. It's how sometimes how we protect gets skewed, you know. And so that's one of the tough things about being a leader is that you don't have it all together, you know. And so you're growing in the grace and knowledge of God. Well, y'all, just on that basis. To starting off today, you don't, you notice, anybody doesn't have the power, uh, hand, we don't have PowerPoint, but if you have a handout, if you would raise your hand, if you do not have one, Swifty will be behind you, and he'll hand it to you. We're continuing the series on grace. It's more in the grace of fulfillment. Um, two things in this. One, a couple, a number of weeks ago when Tom was preaching, Tom asked a question, how many of you in here knew and I don't want you to raise the question, hand your hands now. How many of you knew, know the gifting of God that is in you? And Tom said, I didn't notice, but Tom said that when, when he asked that question, probably about 20% of the body responded. And what that, when I heard that, it just was very grievous for me because that means 80% of the body doesn't know what, is, what has been destined and purposed for them. Uh, because our heart is in dwelling place in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15, which I think is for every church. But hear this. Uh, but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head. We're to grow up into him, every one of us, from, from whom the whole body being fitted together, fitted and held together by which every joint supplies, by which every joint supplies, get this, according to the proper working of each individual part. One of the things that's just grieved my heart down through the years is like whenever there would be, especially like coming in out of Baptist circles, can we kill these lights, please, uh, Mitch? Um, coming out of Baptist circles, when there would be a revival, uh, you know, in a service, and it was real good when one of the first responses would be come out of people's mouth is, oh, well, who was the preacher? So it was like that the preacher had something to do with it. Or if there's a, you know, a church 
that's really good. You can mention, in fact, I could probably do that, and I could start to mention like North Point uh, Church in Atlanta, Georgia. Many of you may immediately think of the pastor's name or First Baptist Church of Atlanta. Mention the name or, or Bethel. Many of you, first thing you do is think of a, a particular name. And I know there's nothing wrong with that, but part of that grieves me very bad is that the body of Christ gets identified by a particular part other than the head, which is Christ. I mean, I could probably hold this finger up, and I doubt very many of you in here could identify this finger as going, Harketh, that's Zach's finger, other than, the, other than when you see it connected to his head. <laughs> There's only one head, and that's who? Jesus. And we're all growing up into that place. And, and this, we started a venture in Dwelling Place. And you know that Dwelling Place is not a senior pastor-led church. It's an elder church. But it's not, the elders don't rule the church. The elders have authority in the church to empower the body, to see the body manifested. And that it's the body that, that men's faith not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And so in that is this passion within us to see Every, well, like it says in Ephesians 4, the proper working of each individual part. And that can only occur in us understanding the destinies that God has for us. And if you'll notice, and let's and make this confession in, in, in a, on the back sides of your handout in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. And y'all, um, so I'll just say a phrase, you repeat after me. And so, has each one has received a... No, let me just pause this. Sorry about that. The word special, it's not a... You can't see it in this in this because I just copied and pasted. And when it copies and pasted in this, the italics don't come across. But that word special is not in the Greek. So as, as we're, as we're, as we're uh, confessing this, just drop the word special, okay? So, and that's not violating the word of God. If you have a New American Standard, you'll see it's italicized, which tells you that's not in the original manuscripts. It was added for readability. It's okay? So let's read it. As each one has received a gift, employed in serving one another, as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. That's, that's awesome, y'all. Can we confess that again? That's really cool. Just receive it. As each one has received a gift, employed in serving one another, as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. What does all that mean? See, Ephesians 2.10 says this, For we are his workmanship, every one of us, are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. The very destinies created in Christ Jesus for what purpose? For good works, which he literally has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Y'all, literally, the destinies, God created us. When he said, let there be light, you were on his mind. And the works that he had created, he created beforehand. Literally, we see like in Revelation chapter 17, verse 8, Jesus was crucified, no, 13, verse 8, I'm sorry, before the foundations of the world, when Jesus said, your will be done, he was literally coming to agreement with what was done and said, before the foundations of the world, he came in agreement with it to release the works of God. 
See, God, like it says, in a, I know this is a crazy statement, but in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, that which is has already been. It goes on to say, God seeks that which has already passed by. Wow. Because God, God's an eternal God. God has created us for works. I mean, for, and that is the basis of the judgment when you and I face. Like in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. For we, um, for we must all stand before the judgment seat of Christ to give account for the things we've done in our body, whether they be good or bad. You know, now, don't think of that as a negative thing. Judgment for me and my mindset when we stand before the Lord is not a place of condemnation. Like it says in 1 John chapter 4, verse 18, God's heart it was that we would have confidence in the day of judgment. In 1, John, I mean in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5, that we may receive a reward. God is a just God, and the reality is, is that the, men, the sacrifices made in the words and the things that you have entered into to fulfill the very destinies and the works that God has created for you, there's a reward. That is, when you think of that, I'll be honest, that's what I want to push you to. When you think of the judgment, that where we must stand before see the judgment seat of Christ, it's for you and I. It does not have to be an opportunity where your fear is shrinking back, like it says, like when people put that on the side of the road, prepare to meet your God. I'm going, yes. Praise God, I want to meet him. And I want to be operating a life right now. The very the thing is that when I stand before him, I'm looking forward for joy because knowing the grace and the mercy of God has brought me past and brought fulfillment in my life that it is a time of rejoicing. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the what? Joy. Oh, yeah, okay, I like that one. But, but enter into the joy of the Lord. And so, you know, and when, also when you think work, I don't want you to know if you notice there, and I don't have time to establish this, but think of a work, a good work, as a grace-filled relationship. It's where we're interacting with one another and it's nothing more than an overflow of God's grace into our lives. Because see, the works that we fulfill... Y'all come out of, like in second, in fact, if you would turn your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 5, where Paul's speaking to Timothy, a son in the faith to him, and where he says, that's a cool sound, the sound of pages turning, I know that's not in your iPads that are, even though some iPads have the, have the sound. So that's, that's cool. Maybe that's it. Everybody's got iPads in there. It's the sound. But notice this. It says, Timothy, Paul's telling Timothy, says, Be sober in all things. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. The ministry which God has created for us before the foundations of the world. Paul said this in, second, in Acts chapter 20, verse 24. He says, I do not consider my life as dear to myself. In order that I may finish my ministry and course which I have received from the Lord. Every one of us in this room, there's a ministry which God has established for you to walk in. That ministry which you have generate works. Notice what Paul says here. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. The work is the outflow of your ministry. 
the work comes out. The gifting in the ministry generates the work. See, the gifting flows in your ministry, out of your ministry, and the, and the gifting will generate works. Okay. Now, so as we're going on, people will be interrupting me. I mean, we've got a team of people that's going to be team teaching this. So, gift. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. And Paul told Archippus in, in, in Colossians 4.17, Take heed to the ministry which you have received from the Lord, that you may fulfill it. And so, y'all, today, one of the things that's in our hearts is for every one of us to take heed. Okay, what journey am I on? I mean, as a leader, I feel this in the spirit almost, that when every one of you stand before the judgment seat of Christ, as an elder, I have to stand alongside you. Because Hebrews chapter uh, 13, verse 17 says, 13, 15, my mind's gone blank, sorry. But it says, obey your leaders, submit to them as those who watch over your souls, as those who must give an account. So then when Tom said 20% raised their hand, 80% didn't, guess what? That meant that 80% of the people in our body could possibly not fulfill the very destinies which God had created for them for the foundations of the world. That's something not to take lightly. But I don't want to say this heavy because it's not, when we start talking about the grace to fulfill it, it's not a heavy thing. Because just think about gift. The good word for gift is the Greek word charismata. You see in your notes there. But literally, charis, charis, charismata, charismata, grace. Literally, all a gift of the Spirit is, as you see in your notes there, is literally, it's a, it's a, a gift is a repeated flow of grace through us to love and serve one another. Think about this. Like in Romans chapter 12, verse 5, it says, it says there, in the body there are many members. And it says not all do not have the same function. And he's speaking that within the context of gifts. How do you know what your gift is? Many of you may not understand and know. I don't like surveys, gift surveys. You know, but, you know, sometimes there's viability because you're recognizing something. But literally, how do you know what your gifting is? I'll tell you how you know. It's because God has created it to, for you to have it. But, in fact, I'm going to pause that. I'll be ready on this. Because just think about this passage in First. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 5, okay? As each of you have received. As each of you have received. As each of you have what? Each of you have... If I give Terry $100, he receives $100 from me. Does he know it? I better hope he does. If I give him, put $100 on his head, just on his head, and it's sitting there, he hadn't received it. Each of you have received a gift. Yeah, Terry. 
A gift, Terry says, a gift has to be activated and turned up. Okay, that's where the employee comes in, employ it. But before we go there, that's right, Terry, but I want you to catch this. As each one you have received, the reality is the Lord's showing me here, the reality is, is that there's many of us walking around who have not received that which God has purposed for us. As each one have received. If it was passive tense where God already gave the gift, it would be in a verbal form that each, as each one has been given. In fact, keep your fingers there in, in uh, 1 Peter, but listen to this in Romans chapter 12. Because literally in this place, in Romans chapter 12, verse, uh, verse, verse 6, since we have gifts, since we have gifts, notice what it does not say, since we have been given gifts, I preach something here, not truth, that every one of us have a gift that's true and that's false. Because the reality is, Every one of us have been, have a destiny to walk in gifts. But the reality is, have we what? Received it. Notice what it says by grace. Come here, Jared. I know Jared's got something in this. Just like Rick's saying, you see in uh, Jeremiah chapter 1, that Jeremiah, he's talking to the Lord, and the Lord asked him about the almond rod and, uh, and all that, you know, all the stuff, and Jeremiah says, but alas, Lord God, you know, I'm only a youth. And the Lord speaks to him, and he says, but Jeremiah, I knew you in your mother's womb, and I consecrated you, and I set you apart as a prophet to the nations. Um, that happened in, before Jeremiah was ever born. Before he was ever born, the Lord consecrated him, set him apart as a prophet to the nations. But at this point, I don't remember how old Jeremiah is. If he's 16, 18 years old, um, he's never actually received what he was created for. In, first Psalm, in Psalm 139, it says that you were woven together. You were skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. God wove that into him in his mother's womb. Um, that's something that he wove into him that he created into him. It, it's just that it, until Jeremiah at that point, 16, 18, however old he was, that that was never something that, that he received that was ever bestowed upon him, that he was activated in his life. Yeah. And so it's very important for us to receive that which God has given to us. God has purposed before the foundations of the world for us to take it. Now, notice what it says there in 12, 12, 5. As, uh, I'm sorry, 12, 6. Since we have gifts, verbal tense there is present, active, and indicative. In other words, we do the action. We have it. It does not say we have been given. But it, notice what it said. Then it, then it alters, and Tom spoke something, which differ according to the grace given to us. That is passive. But notice in 12, 3. Each of us been given a measure of what? Faith. Great. What is faith released? How, what releases grace into our lives? Faith. Grace releases the faith of the grace of God into our lives. And so in this place, every one of us, there's a destiny in heaven. There's gifts in heaven, gifts of the Spirit. For you and I to walk in to fulfill the very ministries of God. But you and I have to receive that by faith. And it imparts into us grace, which is an outflow of it. Because consider this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 31. It says this, desire earnestly greater gifts. Greater gifts. Desire earnestly greater gifts. 
I, I, I don't necessarily believe that passage scripture is talking about like greater gifts is like the prophetic or, or the apostolic or, or whatever. But I, the gift is a, a flow of grace, okay? That's what it, all a gift is, a flow of grace. But I believe that passage scripture, when you just put it in a fullness context, desire greater gifts, greater. I believe it's this passage where we're desiring greater flows of, of, the, of the grace of God in, out of through us into other people's lives. Mims, come and tell the story about, I know you've got it properly placed, but tell the story about you and John, the John Paul thing, please. Don't run the video. <laughs> Um, no, not now. Um, so 1991, Jim and I were not even engaged. And in Framingham, Massachusetts, John Paul Jackson came and did a conference. And I had been just newly saved, hadn't even been saved a year. And I sat in a room and watched white light fill the sanctuary as he prophesied to this older woman I was sitting up, and she was, I mean, I couldn't see it to this day. It imprinted upon me a love for the prophetic and for an understanding that when God speaks through word of knowledge or that he knows us, that he knows every hair on our head, he knows everything about us. Well, the next night, we were, we were at the Vineyard Christian Fellowship, and they call their small groups kinships, and I was at a kinship. And there was a gentleman who wanted prayer. And we were sitting on these steps, and he was sharing his prayer request. And in my heart, in my heart, I thought, oh, this poor man. If John Paul was here, he would be able to minister to this gentleman. But I'm just here. It's just me. I'm not John Paul. I can't hear God that way. I'm not like Mims, I'm not like Jim, I'm not like Jared. Just putting it in a public context. But I ministered to him. Maybe I floundered, maybe I didn't. I honestly don't remember. The thing I didn't do, the thing I didn't do was hide my hunger or hide that maybe one talent. I enacted in it. And I stepped out and I ministered to that man, even though I was believing, oh, he'd be better ministered by somebody else. And I'll say this, and it's not arrogance, nor is it pride. It's I know. I know some of the giftings that have been placed upon me and in me. And it's been how many years? Over 20-some-odd years since 1991, sitting in that conference. And I'll tell you this, I have had the blessed opportunity to sit in very small settings with Gentlemen who, if I dropped their names, everyone would know them. But I'll tell you this. There wasn't anything the Lord was saying to any of those gentlemen that in my quiet time or in my own time, the Lord hadn't been speaking to me myself. The thing is, I never gave up. Over those 20 years of walking, there'd be times where I was so cynical or hurt or whatever, but I never gave up. And now 20-some-odd years into it, now I know, I know that I'm wired to sense the spiritual. And I have confidence in my father that when it's important to him to show me something, I'm going to see it. But the thing is, it started sitting as a registrant at a conference, watching the Lord move. 
and it's been 20 years in the walking out, but I never gave up, and I didn't hide the talent. Um, I want to talk a little bit about, there's the being, and then there's the doing of the gifts. Okay, because we... Um, <laughs> I often do stuff with uh, Christians online, and, and uh, so I'll use a document, you know, I, whether it's PowerPoint or something like that, and I'll type words in that all Christians use, and no spell checker recognizes. You ever? <laughs> like giftings. No, there's no spell checker in the world that'll say that's a real word. And every charismatic church on the planet that speaks English uses the word giftings. You know, it's just one of those weird things. Um, and even tonight, or this morning, I don't know why tonight, um, well, you talk about, well, are we talking about gifts or gift? And I know uh, Rick on this a little bit. Um, it's really interesting. If you get into the beginning of 1 Corinthians 12, you talk about gifts. Well, it talks about actually the manifestations of the gift. Okay? Um, and then Paul talks about preferring the greater gifts. You're still dealing with manifestations, like the different ways it shows up. All right, when he talks about 1 Peter um, 4.10, um, us having, re- <laughs> re- you know, he's saying the intelligent special gift because there's a, there's a connotation of singular. And someone will ask, do I have gifts or do I have a gift? And I, I just want to address that. I'm going to take you all the way back to Genesis 1, okay? God said, let us make mankind in our image, okay? This is the origin of the whole idea of gift. All right? God's gift to us is his image. All right? He's busy, it's chaos, he's fixing things, but he, you know, he gets real close and he mirrors his image into creation, and, and this is where we come, we come into the story. And so it's our role to manifest the likeness of the image of God in creation. Now, that's a huge charge. <laughs> that's a big responsibility. But I want to tell you, that's a gift. Now, if you look at some older translations, instead of using the word grace, they'll use the word favor. You know, and it's like, ah, that doesn't seem like the best. The interesting thing about favor, do you know how you tell if you have someone's favor? Well, you see it in their face. I know in restoration ministry, one of the ways they help people become restored and even functioning people is they say, okay, I want you to look into this person's face. Now, when this person looks into your face, I want you to show them that you're glad that you're looking at them, you're happy to see them. And they're trying to teach the people how to receive the fact that someone is happy to see them. They're teaching them how to recognize and receive favor. When, someone, when there's a lot of brokenness and there's a lot of dysfunction and there's social isolation, one of the things that happens is you can't recognize when someone's, through their image on their faith, showing you favor. Now, what does it have to do with gifting and gift? Well, 1 Peter 4.10 talks about the manifold grace. Manifold has to talk different aspects or the different spectrums of light. Okay, it's our job to show into creation the different Basically, manifestations of God's face, how he looks at people, how he sees them, how he pours out favor differently at different times through his face. Now, what does that have to do with you? Well, it's your job to pour out grace to other people by letting it flow through you as you're the image of the Lord. Now, the problem is, 
um, if we try and do it like as an action, not as a faith, it is definitely a faith action Rick's talking about. It, it, we do works of faith. But if we try and accomplish it, you know, if I'm trying to make Ben know that he's loved by God, like, oh, I, don't, I, don't. <laughs> I could work really hard and get nowhere. But if I want Ben to know that God loves him, I just need to let God shine his love through me to Ben. Um, now, where it comes into my particular nature, like, how am I gifted? It's that we're all different pieces of God's face. And I don't just mean, you know, you can be a hand and an eye. I don't mean in that standpoint. I mean the fullness of God's image being portrayed into creation takes all of us to show favor through our faces, to show the favor that's going through God's face. So, um, if when someone looks in your eyes and you smile back, if that shows that you have favor to see them and therefore they know God has favor to see them, the fullness of God's favor shining through you is how you smile, not how I smile. The fullness of how God will show favor through your face. You know, your husband is off flying and he comes home. <laughs> and he walks in the door and you open the door and he looks in your face and you're happy to see him. The only way for him to get the fullness of favor from you is for you to smile the way that you smile. If he opens that door and my smile is there and your smile is not there, okay? He's getting different favor. <laughs> not the one he's looking for, Right? The one he's been thinking about, you know, he's flying over the Atlantic in a large piece of equipment. Um, you know, now, if we're the manifold, if we're supposed to, manif we're supposed to manifest the fullness of the, the facets of God's grace, then all of us corporately are supposed to be showing different aspects of God's favor through how it happens through us. Now, I'll teach on prophecy here and there with different people. Someone will say, oh, I don't know if I'm prophesying. I don't know if I can prophesy. I don't know if I'm gifted. It's like, oh, well, well, come here. You know, I've done this publicly. You know, and it's like, well, I don't know who to prophesy to. Well, who do you want to prophesy to? Well, you know, I want to prophesy to that person. Well, but how do I know I'm supposed to? It's like, well, that's what you want to do. You know, if God's going to pour out his grace through you, then he's going to put a desire in you to do that. Well, what am I supposed to say? What would you want to say to that person? And they, you know, oh, that, that, that they're loved or, or, you know, that the trouble they had when they were five, you know. Um, <laughs> you know, God understands that, but he, he, he doesn't see them through their faults. And, you know, it's like, I don't know that's God. It's, well, I don't know if it's God. All I know is he's put love in your heart to speak that, those words to that person at that moment, you know. And that's the manifold, in, in, in that prophetic word, that, that's a part of the manifold, the multifaceted Grace of God is being poured in that person in that moment by how he's made them to who they, what they want to do and how they want to do it. Now, it's a big job to represent God into creation. You know, if we were trying to figure out, oh, what, exactly, which, what exactly am I? 
Well, what am I supposed to do? Which of the fivefold am I? Which of the which which of the nine in First Corinthians twelve, whatever that thirteen or whatever? And oh, oh, which of the ones in First Corinthians twelve twenty eight? Am I firstly apostle, second prophet, or am I a miracle worker? Oh, wait a minute. What about Ephesians four? Which of the fivefold am I? Or 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 Romans was it five? Oh no, you know which of that am I? Like if we try and figure out what we are so we can do it. Like, you'll just sit there and you'll ponder and you'll think. Because I've been thinking and pondering about these things for probably about 12, 15, 20 years now. And after sevenfold Spirit of God and nine manifestations, okay, and there's a fivefold and eight sequential gifts and seven oh, redemptive gifts. I, all I need to do when I walk in a room is figure out which of the sevenfold Spirit of God is most manifest. Which of the nine gifts I'm supposed to walk in? Which of the fivefold I'm, I'm, I'm being told right now? And then which of the redemptive gifts is most useful? And I'll just do that once I've figured it all out. But I can't do that in English. I need to read it in the original Hebrew and Greek. Do you know what I'm saying? And once I figure that all out, I can do exactly what God wants me to do. Or I can do this. I can spend time with him listening to his voice. And as I listen to his voice, and I recognize him, and he knows me, and I know him, what I find is later that the voice that he speaks to me, man, that's the same voice he speaks through me. And then often when I speak to people, and it's the Lord, I'm speaking to people throughout how I know the Lord, because I spend time with him. And all of a sudden, it's no longer something I'm trying to figure out, it is something that I am. This is the thing I want to tell you. It's not just that you are gifted. You are gifted. It's not just that you'll have manifestations. You'll have manifestations of the gift. It's not just that they will be different. Yes, they'll be different here and there. Will you uniquely manifest certain gifts in certain ways that others don't? Sure. But you need to know this. More than to know that you are gifted and that you have a gift, you need to understand that, that you are the gift. You are the manifestation of the image of the likeness of God in creation. Okay? Now, Scripture tells us how to take on his image. <clears throat> this is where if you get verses ahead of time and put them in the paper, you can read them quicker. Um, but um, when we behold him with unveiled faces, right, we behold his likeness, and we are transformed by his image. And then you don't have to worry about how do I do it. You have to be, con all you need to be concerned is, what is he like? How has he put that in me? And how in my heart do I want to manifest, it, manifest it right now? All right, Swifty. How does Swifty manifest the grace of God Sunday morning? Most of you know this. He comes up and he hugs you. What should Swifty do? He should do what's in his heart to do because it's what God's put there. This is what's really important for you to learn. Okay? You are unique. <laughs> you will manifest God's grace in a specific way. And when it's happening, when it's the Spirit, it'll be exactly what you want to do. You know why Peter got out of the boat? Because he wanted to. He wanted to get out of the boat. You know, hey, if you ask me to come, I will come. He wanted to get out of the boat. Now, if you read that story and say, oh, no, don't make me. Jesus did not make Peter get out of the boat. He acted in faith because he wanted to act that way. 
That's what he wanted to do. You might be in the boat and you're thinking, I want to wait here for him to show up. You know, and that's what the other 11 are thinking. If it's you, get in the boat. That's fine. Peter acted at how he was made to act. You will act out of how you're gifted. And, not, not out of fear. I'm not talking about, I want to get out of the boat, but I'm afraid. Now, Peter was dealing with that. I'm not talking about the fear. I'm talking about that desire. If there's no fear in my heart, what will I do? This is where your gift manifests. You know, oh, if I wasn't afraid, I'd tell this person this. Well, if I wasn't afraid, I'd go up to that person and pray for them to be healed. You know, if I wasn't afraid, I'd write this poem and I'd go give it to the person. You know, these are the things that you'll be asking yourself to find out how you're uniquely made and uniquely gifted. And it'll often grow down to this question is, what do you want to do? When you feel the Spirit on you, what do you want to do? And that's where you'll find the specific aspect of God's face that shines through you in that moment. You know, along with what Jim was saying there, uh, I think me and Mims and Rick were all talking about the same thing. Um, in Matthew 25, when it talks about each has been given a measure, um, Matthew, sorry, let me pull it up back up here again. Um, Matthew 25, it's the, uh, the parable of the, the master, and he, he gives away his possessions or entrusts his possessions to his servants. And it says to one servant that he gave five talents, and to the next servant he gave two talents, and to the next servant he gave one talent. And to the servant that he gave five, that servant went and, and invested those five talents, and he came back with ten. And the servant he gave two, he did the same, and he came back with four. And the servant that he gave one, that servant took that one talent and he buried it. And when the master came back, he said, what have you done? And he said, well, I went and buried the talent because, you know, this is what I thought that you would do when you came back and what you would expect. And, um, and when, he, when he responds to the, the two that that had went and invested their talents and, and doubled it. He said, you know, you've done well because you were faithful with the small, so you'll be given much. Um, you, were, you were faithful with the little, so you'll be given more. And when he spoke to the, the servant that, that had one talent and that went and buried it, he said that, you know, if you don't do anything with the talent you've been given, then even that which you have will be taken away. Um, you know, and I know that that speaks to the, the time to come. Um, but there's also an aspect that um, it says to be a good steward of the manifold grace of God. Um, that master wasn't asking them to generate, generate funds. He wasn't asking them to generate talents. God's not asking me to generate grace. He's asking me to good, be a good steward with the grace that he's put on me. The grace that he's given to me, he's asking me to be a good steward of. He's not telling me that I have to build grace or that I have to make grace. He said that I've given you a measure of grace. Now go and be, be a good steward of that. Go and spend that. Go and invest that and see the return on it. Um, you know, it's my choice. A lot of times when people come, even standing up here, it's my choice if I want to interact with the grace of God. Um, it's my choice if I want to connect with the grace of God or not. It's, it's my choice. I can cut that off. Um, I cannot pay any attention to it and completely shut it down, and there will be no return on the talent of the measures that he's given to me. Um, in my life, you know, one of the things that I would say, kind of the word that, that I would use would be the, one of the things that haunts me is that at the end of everything is that I want to know that I was faithful with what I was given. Um, I want to know that, 
that I was a good steward, that I, that I operated with integrity, that I did the things that God was asking me to do. Um, you know, there's a measure that he's given to you. I could try to do Jim's measure. Um, it's very awkward. Uh, yeah. It's very awkward when I sit down and I try to operate out of the measure of grace that Rick has with somebody. Um, it's not my measure of grace. I have to operate in the measure of grace that I have. That's where the return will be at for me, is in my measure of grace. And think about this, what we're saying up to this point. We're talking about in heaven, God has purposed these things for us. How do you, how do you release it? How do you receive it? Well, if you'll notice in that definition, a gift is, is a repeated flow of grace. Where I said earlier, is that what you do repeatedly? When? When you're watching TV? No. Notice what it says in, in Romans 12, and I don't have time to turn there, but it's got to do with love. And in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, employ it, serving one another. So, come here, Zach and, and Jared, come here. Just pretend that Zach's God, he likes that. <laughs> Jared's in need. I'm here. And God has given me a gift of grace to Jared, who's in need. Now, what the question is, first off, am I going to respond to the need? That's the first. Or am I going to just, just want to hang out with God? Oh, God, let me just hang out with you all the time. This is cool. But God's saying, in us, love is perfected in us, that we love one another. Or, or, I just got, I mean, you ain't right. And dude, Jared, man, you, you got enough troubles. Go on, man. I got, I got to deal with my own. No grace. But where does the grace come? It's when I reach out and grab what, by faith, and God, God, Jared needs something, and I do this. I reach out by faith, and in this place, I go, I see there's a need there, and I don't feel like I got it, God. But as I go in faith and minister and love and serve Jared, you know what happens? A flow of what? Grace. Thanks, you guys. I'm going to tell you how many times I've been in ministry situations, and I'm serious, where I'm in a deliverance situation, and I'm going, God, if you don't show up, this person is going to be screwed up for life. I don't know what to do. But by faith, I'm going, okay, God. And I want you to repeat, I love what Jim said, y'all. We get too anal about, I have guys come up to me and say, what's my gift, Rick? And I say, I don't care. I don't care what your gift is. Just love and serve. And what comes out, and how do you know I'm a teacher? Go have coffee with me. I don't drink coffee. But go, go to a coffee shop with me. How do you know I'm a teacher? How many of y'all, it's curious, how many of y'all went to a, a restaurant or a coffee shop with me and, and we've wasted napkins? Raise your hands, please. Look at the hands. How many napkins have we destroyed? We're in a class. Because receiving, serving, and loving one another. Yes. He can roll it.
Oh, sound. Make sure there's sound. There's no sound. There's no sound. <laughs> so Rafiki comes and he goes, shh. That's how I know there's no sound. And he takes him through a bush. There we go. Thank you, Jesus. Running from it for so long. Ow! 
Jeez, what was that for? It doesn't matter. You can't get past. <laughs> yeah, but it still hurts. Oh, yes, the past can hurt. But the way I see it, you can either run from it or learn from it. Ah, you see? So what are you going to do? First, I'm going to take your stick. No, 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 stand a stick. Hey, where are you going? I'm going down. many of you have looked in the pool and said, that's not my father, it's just me. So many of us have looked in the pool and said, that's not my father, that's just me. And we've taken that talent and we've hid it in our pocket because of fear. Oh, we've messed up. But here's the thing too, is when Simba ran, it was a lie. It was a misrepresentation of events that caused him to run away. So what lies are you believing? What misrepresentation, misinterpretation of events have caused you to so shut down that you're in jeopardy? You're in jeopardy of ever hearing from the Lord, know what you had is even being removed. It's to, to look in the pool and to look in the water and to know I might, it might still be in the mirror, Mims Driscoll, but really it's the Father. And it's time to remember. It's time to go back. You know, what Jim spoke earlier about the manifold grace of God, you got to realize this, that when you, look in the, when you look in the mirror, and or in the mirror of like ministering to Zach, I'll, it'll look different. The expression of God through me will look different than it would be when Jerry. It'll be different. Stop trying to make it be somebody else. That's what Mim spoke earlier. When all of a sudden you're in a situation, oh, if John Paul Jackson was there, Rick Sizemore was there, or Joe Blow was there. No, you're there. You're there. And the grace of God flowing through you is enough. Receive it by reaching out in love and serving one another. There's two brothers. Did you want to speak to that stone? Or do you think it's appropriate? And then Zach and yeah. Erica. Um, yeah, we, <laughs> many of us minister in different ways. I mean, obviously Sunday morning you get to see people ministering through words. And one of the things you realize when you frequently minister through words is sometimes how shallow a word is. You know, you're trying to say, oh, I can see that you're called to be... You know, and it's like, oh, these words don't, they don't seem to have enough depth and context to fully convey what you feel the other person is. It's because they do not. You know, is Rick a teacher? Sure. You know, do I think Rick's an apostle? Sure. You know, do I think he's a friend? Yes. You know, you know is his name Rick? Yes. Is those words enough to, to, to display the depth of all that Rick is? No. 
They're just starter words, and they're not, they're not unique and personal enough. Even his personal name is, is not Rick Sizemore, you know. Like, I say Rick Sizemore here, everybody knows who I'm talking about. Even that isn't enough to describe who Rick is. You know, and these words, even as they're translated in, in your English versions of the Bible, most like, uh, even, those, even though they're divinely inspired, and even I believe the word is inerrant, it's still, these words are starter words. So when you're like, oh, am I a teacher? Am I prophetic? Am I a healer? Am I an evangelist? Well, they might be good words to get you going on how to act according to the way that you're made. But in the long run, you have to have an interaction with the Lord that transcends labels and words, that conveys the depth of who he is to you and starts teaching you the depth of who you are in the world. Now, I think we see the fulfillment of this in Revelation chapter 2, right, where it talks about those who endure, he'll give them, among other things, but he'll give them a white stone on which is written a name that only he will know and only you will know. I truly believe that name that's on that stone, the only reason only you can know it, only God can know it, because in that moment, only you fully know who you are before the Father, and only he fully knows who you are. And it'll include teacher, friend, you know, the guy who got that kid in third grade saved, or the, you know, the, you know whatever, a mother of six, or you know, all those things you put in your passwords and your usernames, you know. It'll, it'll encompass everything that's in you that's of God that you've ever been, that you'll ever do, that you'll ever be. But it'll be so personal. It will not feel like a label. You know what I'm saying? You won't feel like student number five or, you know, employee or, or attendee, you know, or teacher, you know, or wife or mother. You, you'll, you'll feel so personally known and personally described in the fullness of what you're like. Him. That's what we're growing into. And you should see the expression of that each time you act. You should find out more of who you are by seeing God work through you. Oh, that was all God, but wow, it's now part of who I am. Not what you did, but how it happens, what he's like, his, his favor, his love, his hand, his patience, his kindness, his attributes flowing through you and manifesting uniquely through you. You get to see some of that. You know, it's one of the cool things we get sometimes to see with, uh, like on the worship team. You know, Amy's losing her voice. Someone needs to give expression to what the Holy Spirit's doing, and all of a sudden, boom, you know? <laughs> you know, just, just the fullness of another daughter of Christ shows up, and she's articulating in, in, in the way that God's flowing through her completely herself, and yet it's completely the Holy Spirit at the exact same time. Now, we're moving to the day. When we hear his voice, call our name, you know, and we know who we are by how he speaks to us. And then that's how we act. You know, but that's what we're growing into. I, I just want it's, it's intimate. It's full knowledge of who we are and who he is. It's not just action. I just want to say that again. It's not just action. It's who he is in you and who you are in him. So when I got, um, got in church this morning and... Um, gotten to worship, the, the Lord, right, you know, right when I entered worship, the Lord told me, he said that he was calling each and every one of us in, you know, out, into the, out onto the water. And it wasn't like, hey, everyone's on the boat, come out on the water. It was like, hey, Catherine, you're in the boat, come out on the water with me, like individually. And I think what the Lord was highlighting to me was in that, that um, we were, what he was, you know, essentially saying was that we're a little scared, 
or there was wind and there was waves and there was hesitation and all of that. But in the midst of that, there was also tremendous weight. That we see, we read that, you know, we read that passage that, oh, you know, the Lord, you know, called Peter out in the water and Peter came out and things like that. And we're like, wow, that's great. Lord, call, you know, call me out in the water. I like to come out in the water with you. But there's, there's a, what I was sensing was that there's tremendous um, weight in that. The reason is, is that the Lord doesn't just call us out because he wants us to experience, you know, what that's like. But he's calling us out because he loves us. He loves you. He's calling you by name out into the water where it doesn't seem like it's safe. And there's distraction. There's distraction because the wind, the waves, the storm. But it doesn't matter. Like, that's the, that's the cool part of that story is that Peter sees, Peter sees that there's all this going on, but where he wants to be, where it's safest, where his you know, beloved is, is out on the water. And so, yeah. Where's Dana? Well, then Amy's not. Where's Dana? Where'd Dana go? Come here, Erica. Um, we just really believe that God is really just wanting the fullness of the body of Christ to be manifested in dwelling place. Now, it's kind of interesting to me that we knew that God told us that there was four of us supposed to speak this morning. And then all of a sudden, Zach comes up right in the middle of it and goes, Rick, I just can't coming out of the boat, getting out of the boat. I'm going, when what he said, very, very important. It was the application of the word that was being spoke. And then Erica calls me over and she says, Rick, and here's the application. This was in my heart. You speak what was in my heart. Oh, that's cool. Um, <clears throat> do you want me to tell myself? Okay. So I was struggling with kind of this concept. I guess it was like two years ago. Um, maybe not in, I wasn't thinking of it in the word like gifting, but that's really what it was. And the Lord had been trying to speak over me and into me, like, who I was and what my gifting is. And that it really is just about me being, being me. And, um, and I was not receiving it. The Lord was speaking it, but in my mind, it was like this far-off thing. Like, well, one day I'll, I'll be able to prophesy or have good discernment. One day I could do that. But, like, I didn't get that it was, like, right now and that it was spoken into me from before I was ever out of my mother's womb. And so it was cool because I was kind of in my own heart dealing with all that. And on a Sunday morning, Rick and Tulio and Kathy and Marcy, I think, just came up and started praying for me and just started speaking specifically the things that, like, had been on my heart, things I'd been asking for, like what I wanted to be. I wanted to have good discernment. I wanted to prophesy. I wanted to be a leader. And, like, they're literally speaking those exact things over me. And... Um, what I found in that is that I was emboldened. It, it, the confidence that I needed to actually walk in what God had put in me um, started to come out. And um, one of the things I realized is the, things, one, the main thing that blocks us from being able to walk in that is, the, like what Mim said, the lies we're believing of that we aren't good enough or that we're not there yet or this maybe isn't who I am, but I want to be like Jim or I want to be like Jared or, you know, whatever. Um, but this made me confident to be me. And um, later that day, the Lord led me to this verse, um, 1 Timothy 4, 14. Do not, do not neglect the spiritual gift within you, which was bestowed on you through prophetic utterance with the laying on of hands by the presbytery. And I think other versions say elders or leaders. Um, but so I told Rick today, I was like, you know, when, when you guys did that with me, 
but it changed me. I, I was emboldened. I found confidence to approach that throne of grace where I could receive the grace to walk in those things. And so I told Rick, I think, you know, and it sounds like this is what he was gonna do, we should do that. If you're wondering, if you're not sure, if you need that confidence, let's, let's lay some hands and pray it up. <laughs> Stand right here, girl. Hey, man, I'm preaching now. How about that? We're going to do that. So uh, we're just going to dismiss, but I'm gonna, we're going to... Give, uh, give me some leaders up here. Elders and... Zach, get up here. Erica, you got in this stuff. Ain't going to be sitting over there. We're going to pray. And we'll, the rest of you, come on up. Anybody just wants to pray, they don't know. And uh, I just want to, the, the word that Zach spoke here, get out of the boat. You know, it's going to be that place that feels impossible. And God's saying, get out. Reach out, receive and reach it. So, let me just pray and we'll dismiss the service and... Uh, and uh, we're going to pray for you. Don't, don't leave. If you need Jesus in any way, shape, or form, come on up. Okay? I don't care what. And just like Erica just spoke. You know, there's that place you're wondering. And, and it's in you. It's there. You know it's in heaven for you. And you just, you just need some people to grab it. You know, it's kind of interesting as Erica was speaking. Uh, kind of hard this point in time. But how many teenagers and young girls in this church have been touched by her life. Yeah. I mean, just unreal. I mean, it just watch, watch Erica. She walk around, look, she looks like a mother duck with ducklings. <laughs> she does. I've watched it before, and I'm going, dude, that is, that is Jesus. God, there's no junior Holy Spirit. It don't matter how old or whatever. I want to see it fully released. So uh, we're going to close, and come on, come on. So, Heavenly Father, I thank you. Lord, I just speak in Jesus' name, whatever the reason is, Lord, where we got caught up in the akumina tata, or how in the world you say that, Lord, where we're just going, I just want to live life and be happy. Lord, I just speak in Jesus' name. You have not called us into this age, Lord, to just get comfortable. God, you called us into this age to get out of the water and do the impossible. So, Lord, I speak in Jesus' name. Lord, in, the, in this is the balance of not only us fulfilling the very destinies of God in us, but Lord, to deal with the wounded and the broken, the, the downcast, the outcast, Lord, those who do not know you, whatever it is, Lord, the, Lord, people that are hurting and need the grace of God, and you're saying you're wanting to get the grace out through us. So Lord, I just speak in Jesus' name. Just come, Holy Spirit. Touch, change lives, touch, rearrange it, Lord. Get us, Lord, we just speak out of our comfort zones. In Jesus' name, amen. Be blessed. We'll be here to pray. Come on.